Hello and welcome to episode 103 of our SAP on Azure video podcast. Today is July 25th, and together with Robert and Goran, we are here to talk about anything related to SAP and Microsoft. Hello, everyone. Hello. So, Hi. data and analytics is a constant topic with our customers. Obviously, customers have a lot of choices when it comes to analyzing their SAP data. There is the SAP Analytics Cloud, there's um, SAP Data Intelligence, and there are lots of tools by our partners. From Microsoft, we also have a very impressive tool set with obviously Power BI and the Azure Data Factory or Synapse. For years, we have had a bunch of SAP-specific connectors, some of them also SAP certified, but just a few weeks ago, we completed our private preview for a new SAP connector for Azure Data Factory, which has a huge success with a lot of customers and partners that are actually signed up for this private preview. Now we are in public preview, and I'm very happy to have Ulrich Christ with us today, who can provide us with more information. Since we are recording this episode already on Monday, there is not so much news from this week. So I will ask Ulrich directly to introduce himself. Yeah, thanks, Holger, for the introduction. So my name is Ulrich Christ. As you said, I, I'm basically in the product management team, or we call it program management team for Azure Data Factory, and I'm primarily focusing on SAP con uh, connectivity in ADF. I re quite recently joined uh, Microsoft from SAP. So I, I started here on January 1st after 16 years at SAP. So cool. basically, my expertise still lies more on the SAP side than the Azure side, but I'm working on that. So I think you have a lot of things in common with, um, I mean, Robert is cannot make it today with us, but um, Robert, Goran and I, we're all former SAP employees basically. So we worked with SAP. So it's it's really interesting to see a lot of, um, yeah, ex-SAP colleagues joining Microsoft. And actually, I mean, there's also the other way around, right? We also have a lot of yeah, colleagues from Microsoft joining joining SAP. So there's, there's a good um, intermingling between SAP and yeah. Microsoft here. Yeah, that's welcome true. to the club. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> cool. And uh, yeah, at, at SAP, you were also working in the data space. And um, yes. now, obviously, you're working on this new um, connector, among other things, for Azure Data Factory. Exactly. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, maybe let's start a bit slow with a general introduction of the connectivity we have in Azure Data Factory for SAP. Because the new connector, which we just launched, is of course not the first and only uh, option we have in our portfolio. Let me share my screen. Fix a bit. Okay. All right. Can you see my screen now? Yes, I can see it now. Yeah. So let's get started about this <clears throat> about this topic. Um, so what's the current SAP connectivity we have in, data in, in Azure Data Factory. So the connectors which we already have in general availability are the six which you, which you see here on the screen. So they, they cover a broad part of the, of the SAP portfolio with, SA, uh, with SAP ECC on the top left. Then we have HANA uh, in, in the middle. We have a table connector which covers pretty much any, I would say, MapWeaver-based system and connects to SAP tables, so to dictionary tables via the application server. We have two dedicated connectors for, for BW, one for the mm -hmm. OpenHub interface and one for the MVX interface. And we have an, another um, 
connector for SAP Cloud for customer. Cool. Um, and, and these connectors are all live, obviously. So customers yes. are using them. They are using this to, to extract data from different SAP systems into exactly. Azure Data Factory. Yeah. So when you look at usage, it's it's not evenly distributed. So the, the mm -hmm. HANA connector is by far the most used one alongside with the with the table connector, which is yeah, giving you very generic database connectivity. Actually, both mm -hmm. of them, right? The SAP HANA connector works based on, on ODBC or JDBC and really goes to the to the database layer. And a similar functionality you can get with the table connector via the application layer and, and using a couple of function modules there, which in the end then uh, run a C or execute a SQL statement, fetch the data into the application server and, <clears throat> and hand it over to, to our self-hosted integration runtime, which is kind of the proxy between the uh, SAP source system and, and Azure Data Factory in, in mm -hmm. Azure. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. So that's basically it. And if you look at this portfolio, it's pretty much based, that's the third bullet point here, on, on open standards, right? We, we have been focusing on ODBC or JDBC connectivity, on um, SQL for the, for the table connector, and similarly for the Open Hub connector, which is also technically very similar, or OData, that's behind the SAP ECC connector. So that's basically the, the approach we have taken in the past to connect to SAP. Um, and for SAP-minded people, especially people working with uh, uh, data in SAP, they're probably aware that this is not how SAP is doing things internally, right? SAP has different mechanisms to integrate data between its source systems and its targets. And of course, third-party uh, third vendors have also adopted those, those SAP standards. And now we're basically following suit. That's, mm -hmm. that's the story behind our new connector. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really something um, when I mentioned in the, in the introduction that we have a lot of partners that are also very, very active in this space. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what you mean, right? That they, they are not only depending on OData or on JDBC, but, but they, they exactly. really looked at what are SAP proprietary mechanisms to connect exactly. to an SAP system yeah. and then really build on that, basically. Exactly. And of course, these these proprietary mechanisms have big advantages. Like mm -hmm. with the existing connectivity, there's no change data capture me mechanism built in, right? You can you can try to get this via filter selections, keeping watermarks on your side and, and adding filters to your SQL queries, for example, to detect changes. Um, but that always comes with, with effort on one hand side and with, with certain gaps and, and shortcomings on, on the other mm -hmm. side. So it's, it's not a perfect solution. And yeah. um, now these proprietary SAP mechanisms are much better at that. So they basically provide in many cases such change data capture um, mechanisms out of the box, for example. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so maybe let's skip that slide. This is just a, a summary slide, which are a slide which I always add in my introduction because beyond these specific SAP connectors, there's of course, of course a whole variety of other things which you can use to connect to SAP systems and a whole, of, a whole lot of other options, but this is not in the focus of this presentation, so let's just just skip mm -hmm. that. In general, it's it's very important to be aware of that because whenever you you find you have a certain gap, you can always look left and right and see if there's something else in our portfolio which which helps you. All right, so with that, I would switch over to the to the new ODP connector which we have been launching in public preview end of last month. So basically, at 30th of, of June was the the launch date. And since then, we have seen nice traction and a lot of customer interest on it. So maybe let's 
start with a very short introduction of, of ODP or operational data provisioning, as it's called. For SAP-minded people and people with a BW background, for example, or also in a background in data intelligence and data warehouse cloud or uh, SAP data services, this will be something which a lot of people are probably familiar with, but let's very briefly uh, describe what this framework is about and, and why it's so valuable. So from a, from a high-level perspective, if you look at, at the diagram on the, on the right-hand side, um, ODP is basically, and yeah, you can think of it as a broker between sources, which provide data, data providers, and consumers on the, on the target side. Right? So for example, the communication between a consumer and a, and a provider is never like a direct synchronous communication, but it's typically via this, this broker. So the consumer asks the ODP framework to, uh, to get data from one of those providers, and then the ODP framework takes care of fetching the data, and that, that's, that can be a full mode, that can be an incremental or change data capture mode, right? and uh, uh, stores the data in intermediate queues where it's temporarily stored so that the consumer can fetch it asynchronously, basically. And that's uh, very valuable because one of the there are lots of technical aspects around ODP which make it so nice, right? For example, let's start from the bottom here, not from the top for once. So uh, scalability, when it comes to transferring large data volumes, think of initial loads which you do from your mm -hmm. source ECC system to your to your target. Um, one of the shortcomings, for example, of the of the table connector is that it, it can't really uh, split the data into packages, into chunks which are easily digestible and which can easily be transported. ODP then basically does this out of the box. Right? So basically it fetches the data from the source in a, a predefined package size, stores it in, this, in these packages intermediately in those queues, and as soon as the first package has landed here, the consumer can basically start fetching. Right? So thereby basically you have a mechanism which scales to very large data volumes in a, yep. in a very simple way. That's that's one of the aspects of, of simplicity and robustness here. So whether it's a, a like 100,000 rows or 100 million rows, the mechanism will work, and you can even define the package size and, and tune things accordingly. In so the, probably that would that would improve the overall performance as long as it lands in the uh, ODP. I assume um, data are there, kind of cached, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's also another aspect that when you have multiple consumers for the same data, they can read from the same queues and ODP will make sure that it doesn't yeah. fetch data too frequently, right? It only yeah. fetches the data which is needed. So there's also some optimization in, in yeah. that sense. Then I already mentioned the, the built-in delta or change, capa uh, change data capture capabilities. So ODP basically provides an API which is capable of giving you uh, changes, right? And uh, it basically does this according to what the, the actual source is capable of, right? Not all sources are equal in that respect. So from a consumer's perspective, the, the interface is very uh, very uniform, right? You have one API you talk to, but the change data capture, uh, capture capabilities of, uh, of each of those, those sources are slightly different, right? For example, when you, when you look at the kind of old ECC extractors, uh, some of them for like small data volumes, they don't provide any change mechanism at all because mm -hmm. the argument is, well, for 100,000 records, why do I need to change uh, to, to track changes if I can do a full load within a very, very short time frame on a daily basis, right? Whereas when you look at larger objects like your financial uh, documents or your sales orders, then of course those extractors will, will basically be 
very carefully built in a way that they can provide you all the changes in the correct way without any <clears throat> without any errors or losses so that you can ensure that you don't have to to run huge full loads on a regular basis and just do the increments um, and that's basically yeah as I said this this property of, of what kind of delta and how good the the, the delta or change data uh, capabilities are depends a little bit on the on the source providers so with extractors yeah it can be from zero to hero so there are some 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 which are really bad in, in terms of uh, <clears throat> in terms of delta some are really good but overall, the assessment would be, from my perspective, that wherever you need it, you will get delta, right? And where, where you don't find it, it's typically typically not, not required. Um, and that's basically yeah, similar for all other situations. Like in, in, the, in the BW case, there's a very generic delta mechanism. So you have a, a very uniform way, which goes pretty much across all data, uh, all data providers. As for HANA, it's somewhere, <clears throat> somewhere in the middle, but uh, and from from what I see, SAP is also investing a lot into into improving the change data capture capabilities there. And so basically, yeah, the, the framework provides that out of the box. What the source can do depends a little bit on the source. Now, when it comes to the sources, and that's the the, the first point here, and the one of the, the real huge benefits why we why we opted to to go for that for that framework and to implement a consumer here is the rich variety of sources which we have. So you can connect to all extractors in an ECC system, which is like seven and a half thousand different extractors mm -hmm. across all applications. So a huge asset which comes out of the box with an, with an ECC system. Similar with S4HANA, CDS views, you have, I think by now, roughly two and a half or 3,000 uh, CDS views dedicatedly built for data extraction, right? There are, of course, many more CDS views for other purposes, but just when, it's come, when it comes to exposing data for extraction, SAP has built two and a half thousand plus uh, CDS views. Um, and that we don't have to go through all of, yeah. all, all of the, the providers here, but basically this continues. So this, this asset of objects which come as data providers out of the box to you with your SAP system, that's a huge, huge thing about, about this ODP framework. So if I'm now coming from a Microsoft site and I'm wondering, okay, that, that sounds perfect. Um, what would I need to ask my SAP team? Um, do they have the ODP framework already in place? Um, what is required on the SAP side to, to make this make this happen, this integration? So if again, if, if I'm the, the Microsoft colleague now in my company, what do I need to do and interact with the SAP colleagues to evaluate? Can I use um, the new ODP connector. Yeah, so technically ODP comes out of the box with pretty much all of those sources. So unless you have a very, very old ECC release or actually ERP release, I think ECC, I think pretty much always has it. I think if you have something like a ERP 46C, I would not be sure, but that's mm. releases which are like 15 plus years old. Yeah, so yeah. very old releases <clears throat> will not have, have that framework, but it has been downported by SAP after it was built to a very, very old release. Basically also uh, because it's the main uh, way of, uh, of integrating data between SAP sources and SAP BW for HANA, right? SAP BW for HANA supports this as the mechanism to connect to ECC systems. So, so from that perspective, it's very important for SAP to make sure mm -hmm. that this covers a whole. Yeah, so one, one question, mm -hmm. double subsystem or databases, whatever, depends on the provider. Yeah. Do they need to run in Azure or they could be also on 
on-premises? It's a good point. I think we have it here on this slide. Okay. And you didn't know my slides, right? So I'm <laughs> impressed by you asking this question now. So if you look at the architecture, how this is set up, um, basically you see on the left-hand side, the, the SAP part with the ODP framework and the, and the sources, which it provides. And on the right-hand side, the, the, the Microsoft part of the story. Right? And there's, of course, Azure Data Factory, where you model right, and where yeah. you operate your, your processes. And there's also this component of the self-hosted self integration runtime, yeah. which is basically the proxy between the SAP system and, uh, and ADF. So this you typically install in a, in a virtual machine or on-premises on, on, a, on a machine in your data center. Um, and it does the communication with, with the ODP framework directly and transports the data to, to, uh, to ADF. But via this mechanism, we're actually able to work with SAP installations running in Azure, running on, on any hyperscaler, because you can also install that self-hosted integration runtime on, on any other hyperscaler, of course. And the uh, same thing applies, same argument applies for on-premise installations. Cool, yeah. Cool and I think just, just one last thing um, um, to, to follow up. So ODP is nothing new. I think that's also very no, important. That's, it's that's a very proven technology this. on the SAP side. Yeah. It's been around for a very long time. And we're just exactly. now also supporting ODP. Exactly. So we're not the first to, to jump on this. I mean, SAP has, I think, been working on this for over 10 years and, and yeah. using it for over 10 years. And if you look at uh, other third-party ETL tools, they have been supporting it for many years as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay, maybe just a few words on the different options which you have when it comes to using the ODP framework and the different provider types. Um, so it basically gives you access to, to different layers of objects. You can access database tables directly like you can do it with, uh, with a table connector, but only in combination with the so-called SLT server. SLT is SAP Landscape Transformation Replication Server. That's basically a trigger-based uh, table replication mechanism, which you can install as an add-on on the SAP application server of your, of your ECC system or in a standalone fashion. So with this additional component, you can basically do like a change data capture in a, in a very uniform way on, on any kind of tables in your SAP system. And you will get data in a third normal form, right? So basically you have to understand the table layout SAP has provided and you have to assemble pieces on the target side, mm -hmm. which so from a, from a data integration perspective, that's very, very easy. When it comes to data modeling, you need to understand the data model, right? You need to know, okay, which tables do I really need for a certain business scenario? How do they relate? How do I have to join them on the target side? Or how, how do I have to transform things to get things right? So there's a little more work needed on the target side, but data extraction and, and replication is, is very straightforward. Um, when it comes to CDS views and extractors, the story is the other way around. Consumption is much easier because those uh, objects have been created for, yeah, mainly for ease of consumption, I would say. So extractors basically don't provide you the, the data as it, land, as it is stored in the, in the tables, but they already transform them into a multidimensional format, which is much easier to understand, right? So you don't have to really understand the details about the SAP application data model, but you basically will see things like a fact table for your sales orders. And you don't yeah. have to care about where the data really comes from. And similar for dimensions and all that kind of stuff. So much easier to consume, but as I already said, change data capture is a bit trickier in, the, in that respect because 
yeah, you have multiple tables to take into account and changes are harder to track. Similar arguments apply to CDS views. So CDS views also give you a, a multidimensional view on things. So again, easier to consume. And here, because time is advanced and technologies have advanced, SAP is also doing a very good job on, on providing much better change data capture capabilities than we had in the past with extractors. So that's something to take into account when, when looking at what choices of, of provider to mm -hmm. go for. Um, that's at least one thing or one, one kind of aspect to, to take into account, ease of consumption versus ease of replication. Yep. Okay, so um, I guess we can skip the other one. So that's just highlight the things. And I think with that, we have pretty much covered what I, what I wanted to talk about here again. Some details on the variety of sources. I think I've mentioned all of that already on the on the first slide. The delta capabilities are also mentioned, right? We have extractors for mass scenarios which cover which have delta capabilities. Many CDS views have delta cap capabilities and so on. So not always the same. Some are better, some are worse. But in principle, you can think of, yeah, if needed, I will get change data capture capabilities. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to ease of use and scalability, I already mentioned some of the important aspects there as well. Here you have a more detailed list again. And I guess with that, I would be ready for a demo or more questions from your side. No, let's let's take a look um, how it works. Okay, let's let's hope it works first. So um, maybe let me give a short introduction to the demo which I'm doing. So the demo is based on on an S4HANA system. And I chose the AC.A table. So basically the, mm -hmm. the most prominent table you, you will find, at least from my understanding. I'm not, a, not, an, not an applications guy in SAP. I'm more on the technology side, but that's the central table for all of your financial bookings, right? Um, and I did not take the original CDS view, which SAP provides. That's this one, the IGL account line item raw data view. But I basically copied it into my own namespace. And I also copied the underlying table because I want to mess around with it later on um, mm -hmm. to, to do changes. Um, but basically, this is this is pretty much co uh, copy and paste from the original view with some adjustments when it comes to the names. So I had to change the name of the view, of course. and, and uh, you see that I also changed the, the, the table or the, the underlying view it points to. But other than that, it's really the original object. Um, and here, by the way, you can also see that in, in the CDS case, basically such annotations here uh, define how change data capture, capture works. So basically, there are nice blocks by SAP which explain in detail what mechanisms you have. And this, this view actually allows you uh, an SLT-like change data capture mechanism. So it basically works on a, in a, in a trigger-based fashion, but still on that view. So it's, it's a nice combination of, of the SLT and the, and the CDS technologies. Um, <clears throat> and I can also demonstrate this later on in my demo when doing changes actually on the, on the database level, we'll still see them uh, coming over to the SAP side. So we don't even, uh, to, the, to the Azure side. So we don't even have to go through the, uh, to the, the the actual UI for doing changes in our accounting documents, we can really do changes on a very technical level on the database, and see that the changes will <coughs> will be reflected and mm -hmm. loaded into the into the Azure site. Again, because I'm not a not a not an applications guy working on the databases, in this case, easier for me than than doing the changes in the proper way. Now let's see. So 
what I've done as a preparation already is basically I've set up uh, a copy activity here in ADF. I'm not sure how much detail we need to cover on the on the ADF side. Should we go into a little bit more detail here and, and explain how things work, how connectivity works? Maybe very briefly. Um, I mean, we, we did yeah. have another session already on Azure Data Factory okay. in general, but I think um, if we can recap very quickly, I think that would yeah, be good. let's let's try to just do this very briefly. So the a copy activity in ADF is basically yeah the the activity which copies data from a source into a target, right? And as a source, you can now and that's the the functionality which which comes with this ODP connector. Um, <clears throat> you can use an ODP dataset. Dataset is basically an, yeah, a representation of a source object inside Azure Data Factory. So you can think of a, of a table. If you look at this, uh, this dataset here, browser is really slow today. Um, you will see that this points to the CDS view, which I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So here you already see it says ABAP CDS speak this up a little bit and here you see that's exactly the name of the of the CDS view I was I was looking at maybe mm -hmm. really want to prove see here is the SQL view name that's the the one which is relevant for this data extraction topic um, so with this we basically have the a representation of the source object and that that we can use as a source in that in the copy activity this uh, so-called data set is related to a so-called linked service. A linked service is basically a connection from ADF to the source system, right? So basically we have a, a hierarchy of a, of a linked service, which is a connection from ADF to the SAP system in this case, or to any source system in general. Um, and then for each linked service, you can have multiple data sets, which represent the actual data objects inside the source. Right? Mm -hmm. I guess that's that's sufficient for the understanding here. So basically what you do in this in this copy activity is you configure a source. So you, you define the data set, you configure the extraction mode, whether you want to do a full or a delta load. Um, and in, in basically you have the option to, to define a projection. So you can, for example, say, okay, I don't want the full list of potentially many hundred fields here. I only need 20 or 30 out of them. Then you can basically, uh, basically select out of the full list of uh, of columns of this object, which ones you want to consume. So here you basically see all the, I think it's like 500 uh, uh, fields in this in this table or in this uh, CDS view, and you can select the ones which you need. You can also add selections. So basically, if you only if you want to filter the data before you transform it, if you don't want to transfer the full data set, but maybe only the last year or the last two years, or only for certain regions. You can do that via selections here as well. So that's the mm -hmm. basic functionality you need to uh, you, you have available for configuring the source side. Then you define a sync where to land the data. I, I'm not going to go into that now. I basically decided to land the data in, in uh, ADLS Gen 2. Just mm -hmm. dump it into a uh, blob store, into basically. Yeah. A blob store exactly, and that's that's about it. Now maybe let's have a look at the the first run of the pipeline I already did a first run on that data set and we should see that here in the uh, in my logs yeah so basically right before we started this recording I did that and you can see that I transferred 162,000 records um, from the from the SAP system we could actually even verify if we do uh, like a 
if we look at the number of records in SE16 on the source yeah. side, we'll see exactly the same number. Right, and now let's let's maybe check out this delta mechanism and the, the change data capture functionality and, and see what happens if I do some changes to the data. And I said I'm going basically going to do that on a very, in a very technical and, and brutal way, so to speak. Let's check here. So if, if you're quick in math, I don't know. Uh, you could probably sum those numbers up and you would see it's 162,688 or so. At least the eight in the end, you can believe, right? Um, so let's do some changes here. Maybe let's change, uh, do, do an update to that, uh, to the underlying table, which changes the source ledger OC to something else, right? And mm -hmm. then we, I would like to do, to, to re-execute the copy activity and really see that the that 20 records which are changed get transferred into the into the target. So now the exciting part starts. So what do we do? We say, okay, let's do an update. Uh, I think that's the table name. I will have to check. Uh, set, and now it's not source ledger. It's, okay, we, we need to go slow. Um, Take a look at the SAP GUI at the actual table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here's the table name. Now let's see what the source ledger is called in real life. Okay, that's the source ledger. Remember, so we set this. What is it? Uh, Let's say we set it to FF, so we recognize where R equals. And now we said zero L. Do you still remember? Otherwise, we'll go slow and re-execute this. Just to double see, check. You see, I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah. Zero C, okay. O C, zero C. Mm -hmm. Okay, zero C. Okay, now let's run this. So now we are updating all these twenty fields. Yeah, so twenty records should now be changed. Um, you can also check this here, or we can check it. Maybe that's even better on the. On the CVS view side, if we, ah, right, yeah, let's let's do this here. So now, now here you can see that we have twenty records with source ledger FF, right? So the change has happened on the database side. Now let's see if we also see it when running <coughs> when running the copy activity. Okay, so so now with this change, um, if we now start the the trigger process, or if we look at the trigger process, we should see that mm -hmm. we have now copied um the deltas, um, into our Azure Data Factory. Yeah, I think you said we should see, and that's true. But unfortunately, 
As always, okay, when there's... you do a live demo, something did not work properly here, so we did not read any data from the from the source side. Okay. Um, looks like the changes were not tracked for some reason. So when we go into the monitoring uh, transaction on SAP side for the for the ODP framework, uh, we can, can see your see... initial load in the very yes, top. Yes, here you see the uh, initial see... load exactly, and we see the subsequent load. Right, if you look at the Timestamps mm -hmm. uh, 1:38 p.m. That's this is a UTC timestamp, so that's two hours, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's exactly belonging okay. to this one, and you see that no changes have been transferred. So something with the setup of the system, we had to restart it this morning. Maybe that's the reason why why something ah, okay. is not not working properly. But in principle, yeah, the changes should be should have been visible now in here and also have been transported onto the okay. So so, so the, the, side. the 20 updates that we did basically on the SAP yeah. side, they should have shown up here in the ODP um, exactly. in the queue. And then so. we would have connected to the queue from Azure Data Factory and retrieved exactly. these 20 updates. Okay. Okay, yeah. but but yeah, sometimes things that's don't what work. So that, that that's uh, that's fine. But so to to just to to summarize, um, the the mm. ODP connector um allows us, unlike the the table connector that we that we still have, obviously that that is still yeah. supported, that customers can still use, the ODP connector gives us much more flexibility and much more yeah. um access to different data types in the SAP yeah, system. Exactly. And one of the benefits, unfortunately, it didn't work right now, um, but is that we could also get the um, change data capture, so CDC yeah. functionalities, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Exactly. And as I said, the robustness. So when it comes to large data volumes, you don't have to care about uh, about chunking them or taking care about the, the size mm -hmm. itself, right? This is this is done by the framework out of the box. As well. and, and for the client, consumption is always the same. Exactly. Regardless of the provider, right? Meaning exactly. Uh, higher, bigger simplicity here. Exactly. There's there's one more thing which I would like to to close this with. Um, now this is kind of the raw data as you get the changes from the SAP side. What what you then have to do is, of course, you have to process those those changes. Maybe write them into a Synapse SQL pool or into mm -hmm. any other target. So. Uh, and, and that's not so straightforward because you have multiple. You could have potentially multiple changes on the same key. You have to make sure that you process things in the right order, and all that kind of stuff. For that, we actually provide templates. So we have uh, a pipeline, get a template gallery here. If you search for SAP in the template gallery, you will see that we have some some templates, um, which basically do that work for you. Right, so you basically oh, nice. can can use those templates out of the box. They consist of two parts. Maybe maybe let's go through the creation of of, of, a, of a data flow based on such a template. Let's just pick some. That's basically just yeah. yeah just have to configure the connectivity here, right? So if you basically say mm -hmm. which uh, which sources Source you want to use exactly. So let me just pick. Uh, Probably doesn't matter which one I take, um, and here you already see the the idea of that of that template. So it basically starts with a copy activity as we just had it, right? And then if data has been read, so we, we check if data was transferred or if, if there were no changes, then um, basically the the logic applies uh, a, a data flow which does all the sorting oh, nice. and duping of of all the data for you, right? 
So that basically allows you to, so th these steps here basically process the change tree, make it like digestible for you. Then you can actually modify this. It's just a template, right? You can, mm -hmm. you, you copy it from a template, then you're free to, to modify it. I would recommend not changing the first part because that does the technical work for you. But when you want to apply your own transformations, like add additional columns, join additional data, then you can basically do this here right before this last step, right? And, and add your own transformation logic in here. Oh, so that really simplifies the, the, the work with, with the data because you don't have to understand all the, all the tricks about the change feed, all the technical fields it comes with. That's basically mm -hmm. done out of the box for you. And that's, by the way, also a topic which we're still working on. So we're about to streamline this even further to make this consumption even easier and, and less error prone. Because right now, customers maybe could like go and, and look into the details of, of uh, some of those steps and, and change them, which might eventually break things. So that's just the very first shot, which really simplifies your life, but also has some caveats around it. There will be a next step, which we can announce soon, but I can't talk about more at the moment. <laughs> cool, a nice teaser basically to to the next thing. But I think this this template obviously helps a lot in in yeah. um, getting started. So exactly. I think this um, can be a huge accelerator for customers. Definitely. Cool, great. Um, I think even though the the demo might not have fully worked, I think that this was really a great um, overview. And and um, Ulrich, I, I think this is a perfect um, reason why. You need to come on the show again. Um, with so a maybe... recorded demo, you mean? <laughs> no, 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 not with a recorded demo. And actually, that's a good point. And um, even in, in last week's episode, we we highlighted one of your videos that that was also published on on YouTube, where oh, okay. we can see this scenario. So um, for those of you who who want to that's see funny. it in in action, really working end to end, there's this other video which I'll um. Um, put on the, in the show notes as as a reference, but but Ulrich, I, I still think it would be great. Maybe once we RGA or once we have more yeah. templates to have you back on the show, um, and then we can take another look sure. at the end-to-end -end scenario. Always happy to join. Yeah. Thanks a lot cool. for having the op opportunity to present here. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank Ulrich, for joining. You're welcome. Bye bye. So wait, just before everyone drops off, I, I hope you're still there. I hope you're still watching and listening. Um, actually, this is the second part of our recording. So um, after the demo didn't work in the in in the morning when we recorded it, Ulrich um, uh, couldn't let go, and and he was uh, looking at the issue, and basically he immediately saw the uh, the, the the root cause why it, it it failed. So we said, well. Instead of re-recording the whole show or or just cutting out the the, the missing pieces, we said let's let's quickly do a uh, um, a post-credit scene basically and and really look at how the scenario is working. So so Ulrich, um, can you again share your screen and then show us what went wrong before and then hopefully show us how it actually works? Yeah, let's see. So. We talked a lot about technology this morning, and what we did not talk about was the human factor, right? <laughs> Behind <laughs> the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, in front of the screen. The problem is very often in front of the screen, and this was the case this morning as well. So remember when I showed you this CDS view, which I had copied from the original SAP CDS view? That's what you said, said, actually, I had, yes. I had, yeah. It's true, and I also said I did some adjustments which were necessary, like changing the name and changing the, the base view from which we select. What I did not change, and you can, if you if you scroll back, you can actually see this. Um, 
I did not change the table name probably and uh, probably and adjust that to the Z AC doc A table. It's still it, it was this morning it was still AC doc A and you can see this in the in the earlier yep. phases of our recording. And of course this means that the system was tracking changes on the original table while we were updating the copied one, right? And therefore the system did not find any any changes and did not transfer them. Now let's see if this change which I did and I already activated on the SAP side makes things work. Um, so first of all, to to set things uh, set the stage again, here I did the uh, the initial load already. So the system is set up. We are basically ready to uh, to load uh, the changes mm -hmm. now. Um, so let me go back here, bring and uh, prepare everything so that we can basically restart the copy activity on ADF side. So, but did you so already this, do changes now no, on no, the table? No, no, I'm just, just preparing side? things here. I'm not going mm -hmm. to, to start it. You're, you're right. Let's be very careful here. So first of all, let's see what data we have now, right? We, we modified the, the source ledger to FF. Mm -hmm. um, so let's let's adjust this again, right? So let's revert this and uh, change that to OC again, zero C, okay? That's the original yes. value which we had, and which is not what we have right now. So now we execute this change. Okay. Let's All see. Right, if we look at. We should see exactly if we twenty OC. Exactly. Let's check that that this is what we see. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So this change has effect now, and now if we run the copy activity again, we should also get some changes. So. Now the ODP framework should see that the changes actually happened in the Z table, not like before in the exactly, um, exactly. Um, in the original one. And exactly. now That's, we can see in the monitor. I would hope that as soon as the copy activity really kicks in and, and starts here, you see we have changed from two uh, from one request to two. Mm -hmm. If I dig a little bit deeper. We see that we have one additional unit, which is one additional data package with 40 rows. Okay. Now you might wonder why it's 40, but 40 is a multiple of 20, which is a good sign already. Um, it's basically because updates are sent as deletes and inserts on the, on the same key. So we basically okay. get 20 deletes and 20 inserts. We can actually check this here, or we can also check it on the target side. Um, if you look here in, in this ODQ monitor, you can actually even verify the data. But the beautiful um, thing, all of this is done by the ODP framework, right? Exactly. I mean, this, this has nothing to, to do with Microsoft at the moment. This exactly. is all that's all on SAP. Features. Here you see you see the updates, and down there you see the deletes. And if you check nice. carefully, you will see that this is on the per key. We have two records, right? Mm -hmm. Now let's see if all of this has also arrived on the Microsoft side, right? So when we go here, right now this copy activity has has finished, oh, and we also see the forty records here. Right. And to be really sure, we can now also look into my ADLS Gen two, and see that we see those forty records there. Ah, because as you said in the in the morning, you copied the data and you just dumped it into exactly. a blob store. Here you see I have a folder for this podcast, and this should now contain the initial load, which you see here from the timestamp, right, three thirty one, and a file with the, the delta load. And if we edit this, we should again see 40 records. Scroll down, we see 41 lines, a header line, and 40 lines with data. Cool. And you also right. see the source ledger change. OK. 
All right, so things work and you see how nicely SAP and uh, Microsoft collaborate if the human factor is working as well. Fantastic. <laughs> Ulrich, thank right. you so much for the working yeah, demo this time or for figuring <laughs> out the issue and also explaining um, what the issue was. I think that's always yeah. great. And with this, thanks again for, for watching and we'll see each other again. I'm very sure about that. I hope so. Yeah, it's really fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.